in Luke chapter 18 this morning. Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 18, and we're going to be starting there at verse 9. I had, uh, fully in, had full intentions that when I left last Sunday, I was going to finish uh, preaching on Revelation chapter 12. And then I got home, and uh, that's what I had in my mind. I mean, I was going to start working on that. And then, man, Monday and Tuesday rolled around, the Lord started changing my heart and started pressing on me these verses we're going to read this morning. And uh, as the longer as the week went along, I knew that's what the Lord wanted me to preach. He said, how do you know that, Pastor? He sends you some kind of audible voice. He sends you a text message or something like that. I don't know how. I can't describe it. I mean, I wish I could. It's, a, it's just something I just feel that way about it. And... Uh, it just I felt like the Holy Spirit's pressed me this way. But look at Luke chapter 18, verse 9. And this is the Lord uh, speaking this parable. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into, into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. For I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray, Lord, as I read these scriptures, Lord, I'm convicted just by reading them, Lord, that I'm not humble enough, Lord, that sometimes I get pride in my heart, Father, and I start looking at other men and women and what they're doing or not doing, Lord God, and I forget to look at the inside of myself, Lord, and judge myself. And, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. Lord, I know that I do things that's not right in your eyes. And, I, Lord, I pray for your forgiveness there, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, that everybody who needs the sound of my voice would recognize right now, Lord God, that they're a sinner. That they're a sinner, Lord God, and that without you they're going to hell. And, Lord, I pray, Father, for your grace and mercy on us, Lord God, as we come to this realization in our hearts. And, Lord, that you would come down, Lord, and your Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us into all truth, Lord God. And we do thank you for our way out and our way into, into you, Lord God, through Jesus Christ. We thank you for that. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So look back at verse 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Well, there we go right there. <laughs> That's like taking a shotgun and just boom, just shooting it out at everybody. Uh, they trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Uh, if there's any kind of pastime I love to have, I love the pastime of making fun of other people. I just love picking on other people. I, see, I, I mean, I'll be driving down the road, looking, look over there, and I'll tell my wife, look at that guy's hairdo. Look at that. That's a crazy. And here I am. I have no hair. You know, how, what am I doing making fun of somebody's hairdo? But that's just in everybody. I think it's, I'm not saying you're as mean and spiteful as I am, but in everybody, you tend to look, and look at everybody, and you judge yourself by how everybody else is acting. We tend to do that. We tend to look out and say, well, I'm not so bad. Look at how they're acting and look at me. And that's what this man has been doing. Now what verse 10 is, is Christ is going to do there in verse 10, he's going to give you two contrasting men. 
Two men. He's going to contrast it. And you find this all through the Bible where if you see one side, there's always a flip side of that coin. There's another side. And he's going to give you contrasting men. And these men, two men, went up into the temple to pray. So the temple to pray would be what we would say. would go, they go, They're going to church. They're heading up there to go to church. And that's where they would meet with God. That's where they would pray to God. That's where they'd give their, uh, their offering to God. And the one was a Pharisee. A Pharisee is a religious leader. He was a stickler about the law. He was righteous in the law. He knew the law right and left. Uh, Paul was a Pharisee. He said, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He knew all the law. He was a stickler of the law. He kept the law. That's God's law. The God had given the Jew to be righteous in their eyes. And that was what the one, the one was a Pharisee, a religious leader. We would say a preacher or a pastor. And the other, a publican. Now, a publican was a tax collector of the IRS. There was nobody more hated than the publican in those days. The publican was known for doing this. The Roman government would say, I want you to go out and collect this tax. So if, let's, let me just make it modern day terminology. So if that tax was like $10, the way the publican made money was he would show up and says, okay, your taxes are $12. And the, and the person would give them $12, well, they'd give 10 to the Roman government and take the other $2 and put it in their pocket. That's how they made their money. They were known as thieves and crook, and they were wicked. Very wicked. Everybody knew a publican was wicked. It'd be like, you wouldn't, I don't know very many of y'all have ever invited an IRS agent over to your house to have lunch, but that's basically the way they felt about them too. Like, hey man, we don't want you around me. I don't like you. I don't trust you. You're part of the government. You're wicked. And that's the one, where, so you got this really righteous man that's very righteous in the world's eyes. You got this wicked man that's very wicked in the world's eyes. And he goes on and says in verse 11, let's compare first the Pharisee. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. First off, he's praying with himself. Notice that? He's not praying to God. He's praying to himself. He thinks he's praying to God. And that goes for a lot of people all over the world. They, they might get down on their knees. They might pray out. They might call out to God. They might call to whatever God they're praying to. But they're actually just praying to themselves. That prayer is not going much further than this ceiling right here. Not much further than the top of their heads where that prayer is going. He's praying to himself. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee. Notice how many times he says I. Let's count it up. Number one, I thank thee that I, that's two, am not, uh, not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as publican. I that's the third one. Fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. There's that five eyes. There's that five eyes. That's the greatest sign of a fool. I, 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 me, 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 me. You know what's so dangerous about this is that's the that's problem with Lucifer, Satan. Whenever Lucifer, Satan, fell, it's recorded in Isaiah chapter 14. When he fell, it recorded the words of Satan at that time. And the words of Lucifer at that time was, I will, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will sit above, upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above, above the heights of the cloud. I will, I will be like the most high. It's that positive thinking. I will, I can do it. I think I can, I think I can. I will, I will, I will. And that's a sign of a fool. In God's eyes. And you're seeing how foolish that sounds right there. What that Pharisee is saying. The five signs of a fool are all those eyes. Notice he says there in verse 11. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God I thank thee that I am not as other men are. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers. Even as this publican. 
He pointing out, he's pointing out other people's sins. So this Pharisee's pointing out other people's sins. Lord, look at my neighbor. See how what my neighbor's acting like? I don't do all of that. I'm not so bad. See, I'm not so bad. I'm not like my neighbor is. That's how the world judges themselves. They look at other people, and they judge themselves, and they judge what other people are doing, and they judge, with that, they judge themselves and say, well, if you compare me to, oh, so-and-so down the road, I'm not so bad. They forget that neighbor that's a really, really good Christian. They don't ever judge themselves to them. <laughs> They, ju- they don't judge to them that dear, sweet lady does things in the community that goes out of their way to, to be kind and gentle and, and to give. And they, we don't ever judge ourselves with them. We always judge ourselves with the most wicked person we can find. Oh, well, I'm not so bad as them. That's what he's doing, see. I'm not even as them. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this publican. What this Pharisee's doing is, notice what this Pharisee's doing is, he's, he's, remember, he's, he's pointing out all this good stuff he does. Look at verse 12, I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. He's pointing out all his works, he's pointing out all his good deeds, he's conveniently, conveniently forgetting his sins. He's conveniently forgetting his sins. It's stir- what's disturbing to me Growing up, growing up and then getting older and older is, what's disturbing to me is to find out that when you're a kid and you grow up, all you're doing is finding older kids. Adults, all adults are is older kids. That's all they are. When I was raising my son, I'd go in there and tell my son to do certain things, and he would, uh, he'd come back in there and say, look, look, Daddy, look, look, Daddy. I, I, I took out the trash, Daddy. Look, I, I made my bed, Daddy. That's good, that's good. And ain't that how a lot of Christians are? Look, Father, I've I done what you wanted me to do. I've done what you wanted me to do. You know, there's a there's scripture when Jesus Christ says, you know, it's just well enough to say, well, you know, instead of just, just say, you know, that's, that's my duty to do that. It was my duty to do that. You shouldn't have to have a pat on the back for doing the right thing. We should just do the right thing. Yeah. Amen? And that, that's what the Lord was, was saying in that. It's just, just, do, just do the right thing. And then when my son would uh, get done with that, I'd go in there and his room would be a mess. Yeah, he, took, he made his bed, but the rest of the room was a mess, and the trash was took out, but the room was a mess. And I'd say, didn't I tell you to, didn't I tell you to clean your room up? You know what his answer would be to me? Well, I took out the trash. That's what this Pharisee's doing. That's what a lot of Christians do. A lot of Christians, a lot of us in here, in this very room. When I say Christians, I'm talking about all of y'all, including me. I'm not trying to be too hard on y'all. I try to include myself, but come on, guys. I mean, a lot of us are like that. Where we do something good, and then whenever we do a bunch of bad, we're like, well, Lord, but I did do that good thing right there. See, witnessing to people about Jesus Christ, one of the things I realized over the years, witnessing to people about Jesus Christ is, and Christians are like this too, and you shouldn't be like this. They think this whole thing set up with God is a point system. They think we're under some kind of point system where <laughs> you get up there and you're like, okay, I've done this good deed, cha-ching, this good deed, cha-ching, this good deed, cha-ching, and then you do all these bad deeds. And then when you get this point system where your good deeds, those points you get for good deeds better outweigh all those evil deeds you did. And I've had people say to me when I'm witnessing to them, say, well, you know, when we get to heaven, God's going to take all your good and he's going to put it on a scale and he's going to take all your bad and put it on a scale. And whatever way that scale goes, that's what's going to happen to you. You either get to go to heaven or get to go to hell. You know what I always say to them? Where's that in the Bible? Well, well, you know, my grandmother, not your grandmother, not, not, I don't care about your daddy or your mama or your son. Where's that in the Bible? We're not under a point system. 
You're not under a point. Listen, guys. What people forget about God, they really forget this about God, is the most important aspect of God. It's not his love and it's not his grace. The most important aspect about God that we forget so quickly and so conveniently forget is that God is holy. He's very holy. He's not going to allow a filthy sinner around him. He's not going to do it. Do you think you're going to take your filthy sins up to God? you got another thing coming. Whenever John is raptured up into heaven and he's around the great throne of God and all the cherubim are there and all the angels are there and all the, the Christians are there, all of them are up there and it says that those cherubim are around the throne of God and they're chanting and they're singing night and day. What are they singing? They're not singing love, love, love. You know what they're singing? Revelation chapter 4. Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. <laughs> It's God's holiness. And we as sinners need to realize we're serving and we're under a holy God. That's not going to put up with our filthiness. And for you to come like this publican to God and start talking to God like you're something special, you got another thing coming, you're not. Now you might be special when you compare yourself to your neighbor. You might be something special when you compare yourself to some family members or co-workers, but brothers and sisters are lost man or lost woman. You're not special in God's eyes. We're nothing but filthy sinners. And the world don't like you to talk that way. They want to make a God that they put up this little straw man God that loves them for everything they do and they can be however they want to be and God's going to accept them. God is holy and he doesn't accept that. You need to be righteous. Back in verse 14, it says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. Now, if you're able to make it up here on Wednesday nights, we get going about 6.30. We're studying that justified. And what we found out that justified means is, justified means it's just if you'd never sinned. Amen. And man, that's a wonderful word. That's right under grace. Grace is a beautiful word. Justified is right under the word grace for beauty. What that means is God takes the righteousness of Jesus Christ and he puts it on you and he takes all your sinful, filthy sins and puts them on Jesus Christ. So when God looks down, he doesn't see King and Hall anymore. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that's because I put my faith into Jesus Christ. That's what justified means is just if I'd never sinned. It's stronger than a pardon. A pardon is like, you've done this sin, and I'm going to let you go. You get to get out of prison. No, it's you've never done it. It's a wonderful thing. Well, why would God do something so amazing like that? Because you've got to have that because you're a filthy sinner. You cannot be clean. You cannot clean yourself. Most of, in here, most of us in here have had kids. You ever had a kid come in all filthy and muddy and nasty and say, yeah, go in there and clean yourself up. And you go, he goes in there and cleans himself up. He comes out of there, he looks worse than he did before he went in. And then you go in the bathroom, now the bathroom's all a mess. Say, so come here, i got to clean you up. That's God. Some of us in there, I'm going to clean myself up. I'm going to do good. I'm going to fast twice in a week, and I'm going to get my tithes. I'm going to do good deeds, and I'm so good, and God's so lucky to have me. God's not lucky to have you. You're lucky to have God. Amen, you're lucky to have God. This isn't a points, point system. We're all filthy sinners. Let's look at the next one. Verse 13. And the publican, there we are. The publican, that sorry, no good publican. Filthy, wicked, sinning publican. Standing afar off. Why is he standing afar off? Because he doesn't think he's worthy to come close. You see what's going on in here? 
This Pharisee comes up to God boldly and stares him in the face like he's something special because he thinks he's something special and he's not. And this sinner, this publican, knows he's a sinner, knows what he's done. He said, man, I'm not even, I shouldn't even be coming up close to you. I remember, this is years ago, Brother Packer had a song leader come in. He brought, and as a young man, you know, God bless him. I don't know if Wade would remember this. The young man came in to lead the song service. And he would get up there, and he'd go, okay, everybody, let's, go, let's all get, and it's at the end of the service, let's all get, and he goes, I want everybody to, to look up and look up into the face of God. And let's look up into the beautiful face of God as well. And I'll never, he'd be up there doing that. And Brother Packer would be down here giving an invitation. And Brother Packer would get that look on his face like, what in the world? And I, if you knew Brother Packer, I knew what was going to happen. It didn't take long. Brother Packer would say, hey, come here, boy. Don't you be doing that. We're not going to be looking up. In, no, we're not looking up in the face of God. That's why we bow our heads when we pray. We're not worthy to look. Look, I, he was standing afar off and would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. Why do we bow when we pray? That's why we bow our heads. I'm not worthy to even talk to God. I'm a filthy sinner. God saved me, and I'm still a filthy sinner. I'm living in this flesh. And this publican shows up, and he's repentant. He shows up, and he's standing afar off, and he would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast. He's smacking himself, smacking himself. I'm sorry, I'm no good, I'm sorry, I'm no good. You know, we turn on the TV, and I like to watch a lot of football. You turn on the TV, and that's what, it's a total opposite. They smack themselves because they're like, look at me, look at me, look at me. And this man's on his knees. He don't want to look at God. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm no good, I'm sorry, I'm no good. When is the last time you've thought that about yourself? When's the last time you got down on your knees and you said, you know what, I shouldn't have done that? When's the last time you've been ashamed of something you've done? The world's not going to shame you. School system's not going to shame you. The media's not going to shame you. They're not ashamed of anything. It's pretty obvious, amen, that they're not ashamed of anything they do. But as Christians, we should be ashamed of the things we do. We should be down on our knees and we should be... It should break our heart that we have a loving, caring God that saved us and gave us eternal life and we still go off and do the things we do. We should be ashamed of that. But where's the shame in the church? Where's the repentance in the church? It's a scary thing for me to be around Christians and not see repentance. Not to see broken hearts. Not to see Christians that are ashamed of something they've done. We were studying in Sunday school this morning. This kind of goes with a Sunday school lesson. We're studying in Sunday school that uh, uh, he said, what was the, where's the fruit of those things we did that we were ashamed of? Paul said that. Paul went on to say, we're not servants to sin anymore. We shouldn't be living like that anymore. We're servants to righteousness. We should be living a good life, a clean life, trying to live a holy life because God's worthy of all that. God expects that out of us because he saved us. And, and here we are with this man. He comes. He wants, to, he wants to approach God, but he approached God standing afar off. We're not lift up so much as his eyes. He smote his breast. Let's, let's read what he said. This is what he had to say. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Praise God. You know, what that word, you know what that sentence is right there? That's a sentence of repentance. That's a sentence of a man that's trying to get right. That's a, that's a, that's a sentence. That, those are words of a man that's trying to turn back to God and knows who he is. It scares me to try to witness to people and uh, you, can't get them un, you can't get them unrighteous. Well, I'm not that bad a person. 
I, I didn't do that many bad things. Well, so the, the law says you shouldn't commit adultery. Well, I've never cheated on my wife. You shouldn't murder. Well, I've never murdered. That's about it. That's about as far as you can go. I'm not that bad a person. We're all sinners. We're all filthy. You've got to understand where, God, where God's at and where we're at. And you're not going to work your way to God. You're not. You're not going to do some good works and please God in those works. And there's different denominations and there's different cults that will teach you that you need to do this and you need to do that. And in God's eyes, you're wasting your time. He's not going to put up with it. He doesn't want none of it. Let me quote you something out of the Bible. I've been running my mouth. Isaiah 64, 6. But we, that's everybody in this room, we are all as an unclean thing and all, A-L-L, all our righteousnesses, all your good works, are as filthy rags. All your good works mean nothing to God. Nothing. So I'm just trying to behave. You're, you're, you're trying to do those right things because God is holy and you're doing those things. But listen, when God looks down, all he sees is filthy sinners. And you can try to justify yourself and say, well, I'm not as bad as my neighbor. You can justify yourself and say, well, I go to church. I try to do those right things. God says, I want to know what's going on in your heart. Where's your heart at? It's obvious to me when you look at this Pharisee, his heart was not right with God. His heart wasn't right with God. How do you know? Because Jesus said it wasn't right. He didn't go down justified. He showed up and he was trying to justify himself. You know, I'm not that bad a person. Look at over there. And I do all this and I do this and I do that. And I do the law and I keep the... And, and Jesus Christ said, your heart's wrong. Cold as a stone. And I don't want this church to get like that. I don't want this church to be a church full of cold-hearted Christians that forget that we're sinners and we're saved by a mighty grace. I want a church full of God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Had somebody come to me, a lady come to me one time and said, I never heard a preacher say he was a sinner. Well, you've heard wrong preaching then. <laughs> I'm not trying to be bold, I'm not trying to be arrogant, I'm trying to say, every, every preacher, and I know some of them, I know them really well, they're all sinners. I know them. And if I don't know them, they're sinners. <laughs> Amen. I'm a sinner, we're all sinners. And we all need to understand and recognize there's times we need to repent. And we need to get right with God and stop living like we're living. And just because the world's not condemning us, just because the media is not condemning us, just because our co-workers and our family's not condemning us, just because our wife or our spouse is not condemning us, doesn't mean it's right. Hey, I've been around there with guys around there and they're doing all this stuff and nobody's condemning each other of anything. Of course they're not because they're the servants of sin. And we're the servants of righteousness. And that Holy Spirit in you, he's been convicting you. He's been speaking to your heart. You know it. I know it. He does me. I confess some of the stuff this morning in Sunday school. He's convicted. Everybody in this room that's saved, the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. And you know what you're doing is wrong. And you keep on doing it. And surely, God forbid you're not showing up to God on a Sunday morning or showing up to God in your prayer life with the attitude of a Pharisee where you're like, well, Lord, you know, you're pretty good. You're pretty lucky to have me. You got a pretty good deal with me because I try to behave myself. I go to church. I tithe. I do this. God doesn't care about that stuff. That stuff is for your own good to make you better. God doesn't need it. God doesn't need us. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need, he didn't need Israel. Have you read in the Bible where God says, you know what, that's it, I'm done with them. I'm going to wipe them off. 
And Moses is like, please, God, don't do that. Please don't wipe them. No, Mo and he tells Moses, I'm going to kill them all off, and I'll just start over with you. That's what God said. And Moses being meek, and Moses being gracious, and Moses being a great mediator like Jesus Christ said, no, Lord, don't do that. Be patient with them. What will the, what will the heathens say when they said you led them all the way out of Egypt just to kill them in the wilderness? That's your God. He's ready to get rid of it. Like, he doesn't need us. We need Him. And we forget that. God, be merciful. Be merciful to me, a sinner. God, you got to pray to the right God. Know who you need to repent to. We're talking about repentance. You need to know who you're repenting to. You're repenting to God. 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 The right God. Jehovah God. The God that will send you to hell. That God. Now, if you're praying to a God that doesn't send you to hell, you're praying to the wrong God. The only reason God's not sending me to hell is because of Jesus Christ. That's it. Not because anything Keegan did. It's because Jesus Christ died for my sins. That's the only reason I'm not going to hell. So when you're repenting, you're repenting to a God that what he does with sin is he sends them to hell forever. That God. A burning hell. Eternal torment. That God. That's the kind of God we're talking about this morning. That's the God you're approaching. That's why you need to be scared. That's why you need to not lift up your eyes. That's not why you need to approach slowly because you're approaching a God of judgment who's holy and he won't put up with none of our nonsense. And we think we're going to approach him and our nonsense and our sin and approach him and our filthiness and we're going to come right up there to him and he's going to accept us. We got another thing coming. You better approach him under the blood of Jesus Christ or you're in deep trouble. Why the blood of Jesus Christ? Because that blood covers a multitude of sin. Your blood, that blood of Jesus Christ allows you to approach God. The Jews knew this. That's why Jesus is attacking them right here. This, he's attacking them because they knew about this. Because in the Levitical law, when God, would, the, the throne, the Ark of the Covenant was about this size, and God dwelled in this place right here called the Shenekah Glory. And there was two cherubims. They put their wings over there. And he would glow. He'd, he'd dwell right there. And you could only go in once a year to where this Ark was at in the Holy of Holies. And when that priest went in, he had to go in on his bare feet, and he had to go in... Sprinkling the blood. He had to walk in on the blood to approach God Almighty, the holiness of God. And when he got in there, he got in there and he sprinkled that blood on that mercy seat right where God was dwelling right there. And that blood covered the sins of Israel for that year. They knew that. That same priest, when he went in, he had a plate that God made him make. It's a plate that went over that hat. You know what that plate said? That plate right there, it said... Holiness to the Lord. Holiness to the Lord. Your God is holy. The Lord is holy. You will not approach Him in your filthy sins. You will not approach Him the way you are. You will approach Him with the blood. Or you will not approach Him at all. You need the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning you think you can get in any other way, you're, you're mistaken. You're foolish. And when you stand naked before God without the blood of Jesus Christ, it's going to be a terrifying thing. Just stand before a holy and just God and try to convince him that you're okay when he knows everything you've done in your whole life. And he's got it recorded. Isn't that a scary thing? You got that closet and it's got full of, you got that closet full of bones and skeletons you don't want nobody to know about. You don't want your parents to know about. You don't want your wife or spouse to know about. You, you got all that, those secret sins. God knows all about them. 
And some of those secret sins you might have even forgot yourself, but God has it. You're going to stand before a holy God like that? I'm here to tell you, you don't want to do that. That's going to be terrifying. But thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ, you can approach God in His blood. The blood of Jesus Christ. God, that God that's a judging God, that God that will send a sinner to hell, that God, you, He prayed, God, be merciful. What's mercy mean? Mercy means I'm not getting what I deserve. Be merciful. You're not getting what I deserve. I deserve hell. I deserve to go to hell, but Lord, be merciful to me. Isn't that how we pray? Have you ever prayed that way? You ever prayed to God and said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I, Lord, I just, I just please be merciful. Don't give me what I deserve. You, you Christians out here, you're living in the saved life. You got eternal life. Praise God. But you know what God can do? God can see you doing some kind of sin he don't like, and he can just reach down there and take your life. I've seen it happen. I believe with my own eyes, I've seen that happen in other Christians' life. God gets tired of the foolishness and gets rid of them, does stuff to them. And I'm here to tell you that when you do something you shouldn't do, you better get down and pray, Lord, just be merciful. Don't give me what I deserve. Because he's a merciful God. He's a gracious God. But you've got to ask him. God, be merciful. Be merciful. Don't give me what I deserve. To me, that's to everybody in this room, to me, a sinner. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Acknowledge that you're a no good sinner. Acknowledge that you're a sorry, no good sinner, a filthy sinner. Well, it's hard to say. Some people, they'll never say it. Some people would rather go to hell than admit that they're wrong. It took me a long time to recognize that in people. It took me a long time to recognize there's some people in the world that they would rather go to hell and burn forever than to admit that they were wrong. Don't be one of them. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What he's doing is he's repenting. He's repenting. Look at Luke chapter 13, and we're closing up. Luke chapter 13. I know this is a hard message. The Lord gave this message on my heart, but I think it's good for everybody. It's good for me. I mean, I'm not just preaching this at you. I'm preaching this at me. We need, we need to be clean. We need to be holy. The time is short. We, don't, we need to make sure that we're right with God. And if you're in here and you're not saved, you need to get saved. And the world's fooled you, maybe. Maybe the world's fooled you. They, oh, God's love. God's going to take care of you. Yeah, God is love. God will take care of you. But that love of God can be found at only one place. That love of God can only be found at one place. Listen to me. That love of God, you're only going to find that love of God at one place. It's up on a hill, and there was a cross there. It's called the cross of Calvary, and that's where that precious blood was shed. You're only going to find that love through Jesus Christ at that cross. Not the Jesus Christ that was doing miracles. Not the Jesus Christ that was walking on water. Not the Jesus Christ that was a good teacher. And he was all these things. And that's wonderful that he was all these things. I'm talking about you got to approach the Jesus Christ that died for your sins on a cross. That's the only place you're going to find the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That God right there. See, what the world likes to do, they like to give you the Jesus that healed, the Jesus that was kind, the Jesus that was talking about loving your neighbor, and they skip over the cross. <laughs> Then they give you the Jesus that was resurrected. They forget about you got to come to Jesus as a sinner. you got to come to Jesus knowing that you're a sinner and you're a filthy sinner. you got to repent. you got to turn. you got to turn to God. you got to repent. Look at Luke chapter 13, verse 1. Here's what, Lord, here's what the Lord said here. There were present at that season 
Some that told him, told Jesus of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice. So, he, so Pilate had killed these uh, Galileans and their blood was there, so he just mingled them with his sacrifices. Man, that's wicked. So what do people think? Well, those Galileans had it coming, right? That's something wicked that happened to those Galileans, those Jews. They must, have had, they must have done something. They were wrong. They must have been evil. That's why God allowed that to happen. Look at verse 2. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? Well, a lot of them would say, yeah, that's what we suppose. Look at verse 3. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. It's repentance. Look at the very next verse. Are those 18 upon whom the Tyre and Siloam fell and slew them? Thank ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. There needs to be a sign of repentance in this country. What this country needs, what this nation needs, what this church needs is repentance. We need a turning. We need a turning back to God. We need to start taking God a lot more serious than we do. We need to stop messing around and realize that God is a holy God and we need to repent. And we need to recognize that our Lord Jesus Christ taught repentance. He taught you needed to repent. Do you know when Jesus Christ first started preaching? When he first came out, Matthew 4. He first, you know what the first words of Jesus Christ were when he came out? The world don't know him. I guarantee you the world could not give you this answer. The world would say, oh, he, he must have said love. Love your neighbor. No, no, no. He must have said love is love. No, 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 that's not what Jesus said. The very first thing Jesus Christ said was, Repent! The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent! The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent! That's what John the Baptist was preaching. Repent! Repent! And somewhere along the way, the preachers got away from repentance. And we've been trying to get you to believe in Jesus Christ. I've been trying to get you to lead you to Jesus Christ. And I want you to come to Jesus Christ. But don't come to Jesus Christ without a repentant heart. You're wasting your time. You've got to know you're a sinner. And you've got to know what you're repenting of. You're repenting of your filthy, filthy. And I don't mean they're, they're, not, they're, they're kind of bad sins. I'm talking about I, you need to repent of your filthy sins. And know you're a sinner and say, Lord God, I'm a filthy sinner. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Will you save me? And if you come to Jesus Christ that way, he'll save you. That's the good news. See, I gave you bad news for like 30 minutes. Bad, 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 bad. It's all bad, right? Because we're all bad. But when I get to Jesus Christ, hey, that's some good news. Yeah, that's some really good news. That he knew you couldn't do it. Well, I'll just work my way. I'll just tithe. I'll just go to church. I'll do it. If you can earn it, why does he have to die? The reason he died is because you can't earn it. You can't keep it. You can't keep the law. You can't do anything to be justified before God. You've got to ask God to save you through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you, according to this book and according to my testimony of my life, he'll save you. But you've got to ask him. And you've got to come to him with a repentant heart saying, Lord, I'm wrong. I'm filthy. I'm no good. Will you save me? And Christian, if you're in here this morning and you're a Christian, you need to recognize you're a filthy, no good sinner. And there's things you need to clean up in your life and get serious about the Lord. I, I, you know, uh, I go out in the world. I work out in the world. I work for a full-time job. I don't see anybody serious about God out there. Now, I see some 
individuals that will talk about, oh, I went to church or I'm reading my Bible. But I mean, it's hard, very hard to find people who are serious about Jesus Christ anymore. And we need to be serious about him. You know, the truth is he's coming back. Man, I would love to be doing what the Lord wants me to do, just be serious about him. And then when he comes back for him to look at me, when I get down and I'll bow down, and I just want to, this is the only thing, the only thing I, I want to hear from the Lord Jesus Christ is this. Well done, my good and faithful servant. He don't have to call me a wonderful person or a preacher. He don't have to, I, I know I'm a sinner, I know I'm no good, but if he'll just say, hey, you've been, you've been good and you've been faithful. I haven't been great, I haven't been awesome, I haven't been wonderful, just good, just, just, just a good and faithful servant. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.